0: Malcolm Holmline is in Israel. He is the vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update. Mr. Holmline, from here in the United States, we say shalom. Thank you for being with us and welcome back to JM in the AM.
1: Well, as always, it's a pleasure to be with you. It's always a special pleasure to be from your shalom, even though I wish it were under much better circumstances.
0: That is an understatement. Um, there, there's so much to talk about. In fact, you have news that you've just learned in the last few minutes which you're going to share with us. And we will talk about President Biden, of course. People are anxious for me to ask you about his visit this week. But I must start, and knowing that you saw the Prime Minister this week, I must start. Tell us about the disposition of the Prime Minister. Tell us about the resolve of the Prime Minister. Tell us about the resolve of those who serve under him, who are going to be asked, I assume soon, to carry out this mission
1: in Gaza. Well, uh, the Prime Minister... Obviously, looked very tired. He has not slept very much. He's been living in the Kyriah, But we met him in Jerusalem. He was meeting with the um, uh, Prime Minister of Great Britain right after us. Um, and also there at the same time, uh, Governor Hochul uh, was in Jerusalem for a quick visit and um, made some very good statements. But the Prime Minister's remarks were very pointed, very strong, uh, showed the, the, a commitment to, to the goal of destroying Hamas, of rooting it out, but but cautioning that it's not a quick process. It's not going to be days, maybe not even weeks, perhaps months, because of the way that they have structured their presence in in Gaza. Uh, the people, the people around him, also. I think, have a clear vision and that there is a a, a policy and a program that they are going to pursue. I'm not sure they know all the details yet. And as you know, the the invasion has not taken place yet, although it could be very imminent. uh, Because there are so many complexities, they want to avoid civilian casualties where they can because of the international reaction which began even before, uh, even, uh, before the blood was dried. And in in, after the massacre, which, as I described to you before, has no words and no description to know the enemy that we are fighting. But I think that they are determined this time to root them out completely. What the day after will be is subject of a lot of speculation uh, still. But the army, I can tell you, I visited troops, I've spoken to them. They are anxious to go in, both in the north and the south, anxious to take, get action going. They, they understand the risks, yet they know the stakes and what and what their responsibilities are. I've not heard one. And as you know, the call-up response is 140%, meaning that they called up 100%, but 140% showed up. Right. When everybody said that they wouldn't come and wouldn't serve. So well, not everybody, but,
0: but a certain group, right.
1: Not it's everyone. It's 140% of the, of, of the total. No, and, I know. I'm, and, say, and I'm you know, saying not
0: everybody said they wouldn't serve, but there was a group that had said no, they no, wouldn't serve. Uh, right.
1: Right. No, but the impression right. that they created in the West right. was, and, and I think those divisions and that impression would encourage uh, them to take the action, believing that they wouldn't. And this was long planned and uh, one has to say uh, executed in remarkable ways and ways that we're still finding out some of the manifestations.
0: Yeah, no question about it. And you know, some of those details. And if we have an opportunity, we'll get to some of those this morning. The, um, As we think back to 2014 and other times when Israel felt the necessity to go into Gaza, unless my memory fails me, it it, it was airstrikes followed almost immediately by by some type of ground invasion. Is it the hostage situation that's making this much more complicated? Is it the goal of really eradicating them and making sure they cannot rear their ugly head again? Is that what's making this more complicated, a combination of the both or other factors I'm not even thinking
1: of? All of the above and more. Um, for one, it, the hostages, 203 that have been identified, and there may be more, uh, is a, a major consideration. Uh, we don't know who's alive and who's not. They don't know exactly where they're being held, though they have obviously intelligence about some of it. But they're mostly underground in the tunnel network that we've discussed many times that has been created, uh, by the way, in Lebanon, too but oh here immediately in Gaza. Oh, boy. Uh, secondly, secondly, you want to, their, their goal is to eradicate the leadership and destroy the infrastructure of Hamas. It's not to kill all the Gazans that they can. They don't want to kill uh, other people. Therefore, they gave them all this advance notice that a million people could move south and that, uh, you know, they created conditions that would minimize the civilian casualties as Israel always does. But the the um, planning and the places where to enter, you can be sure that there are some incursions taking place. To check out, to to um, map out uh, and prepare the uh, troops for the best, the most successful and effective uh, entrance. As you know, the enemy was well prepared. They had maps on them, which had very detailed descriptions of each of the communities. Where they should strike, Uh, we know now that uh, there was a Bnei Akiva Yeshiva and several schools that were primary targets, which they didn't realize on Saturday wouldn't be in school, but it was certainly well planned, uh, and uh, people had assigned their positions, and many civilians, you know, followed the troops into the area, and some, unfortunately, still remain.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned to me off the air, in addition to, to the maps, they had they had uh, drugs that kept them awake, alert, and numb to the horror that they were about to inflict. Uh, in fact, uh, y- you just learned that, and I don't want to scare anybody, especially listeners in Israel, because God forbid they'll think that th- this might be happening where they are. But you-, you just revealed to me off the air that there's a report that in Beersheba terrorists were found today.
1: Yes, but the first thing is that they that on the terrorists they found captagon, right. which uh, number one takes away their appetite, it takes away their fear and and keeps them alert for long periods of time, <sighs> uh, and and how anybody could be immune to some of the barbaric acts without uh, I don't know how many <laughs> drugs they have to take in right. order to be able to do what they did, exactly. Uh, but it takes long periods of indoctrination. They were told. To mutilate bodies, they were told to carry out outrages as part of their attack. The incident in in Beersheba, which just came to light, there were four terrorists from Gaza who were found in an apartment in Beersheba. And thanks to intelligence work, they were all caught and are now being questioned.
0: By the way, but, and before we talk about President Biden, which obviously we're going to get to in a second, you, you mentioned a moment ago over 200 hostages. You, you know, Malcolm, I, you know how it is. You've said this to us for years and years and years. You can't let numbers... You know numb oneself when they' you know people are not numbers, people are people, especially our brothers and sisters we 're used to you know one soldier being kidnapped we 're used to three boys being kidnapped we're used to praying for you know for the for the bodies for the lives and or the remains of four soldiers or seven soldiers etc et etc et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. you 're getting my point we 're used to terror attacks that could take God forbid God forbid as it 's happened in the past five people, ten people, twenty people. These numbers are staggering. 1,400 killed, 4,500 wounded, over 200 families wondering where their family members are on this Shabbos. I, I think we just need to stress for a
1: second how staggering those figures are and what
0: our brothers and sisters in Israel are going
1: through. Having met even this morning, just a little while ago, families of those who are hostages and, and several times during this as well as People from the communities that were on the front line of the attacks, the courage, the encouragement that they gave us, but the courage that they're demonstrating is mind-boggling. When you go to the hospitals and you see the soldiers who talk with such confidence, and they want to go back. They want to go back to the front. We met one woman who went with her husband and eight kids to an army base to make Shabbos for the soldiers and to do a Shabbat program there. Thank God her eight kids were in a, a safe bunker, but she was a nurse and was went to treat the soldiers who had been wounded and got shot. But she spoke with such confidence and reassurance that me, and I, the Rasheba Emir was there when I was there, and the way she spoke was just, it's, it makes us realize how small we are compared to these people who, who have courage and commitment and keep Israel for us every day this is not a commitment just of the, in the in the post facto of, the, of an attack and in the face of the whatever actions have to take place so the the and the, the scope of it as you said not just the 200 hostages which is a staggering 203 now and there are still a couple hundred missing many of the bodies can't be identified there are 550 bodies that can't be identified so they are doing DNA searches uh, to help identify all of them. So, in the count,
0: uh, in the count of fourteen hundred of our brothers and sisters who have been killed, over five hundred of them till now have not been identified.
1: Right. Wow. And as you know, I was down there. I saw them collecting the bodies, and they, but they burnt a lot of them, and that's why they can't be identified. And again, there are still people missing, even from that concert. You know, bodies are being found periodically. Uh, people who they thought had escaped, but actually been killed in other locations, have found 15 people in a field right near the border between uh, the area and the Gaza border.
0: Unbelievable! And of course, you saw the story, and just it's one of a million stories, unfortunately. But this 13-year-old boy from. Uh from one of the kibbutzim who buried his parents and two older sisters and now he's alone and again you know it's one of god knows how many horror stories but that's uh unfortunately typical of what so many of our brothers and sisters are going through at this point um all right uh people are anxious to hear your reaction to the united states public officials most notably first of course president biden tell me about his trip there from your perspective and then his and then what you thought about his statements last night to the nation
1: look i think regardless of whether you you like president biden or you don't you're a republican or democrat this should be above politics the fact that he came first president to visit during a wartime he it gave great encouragement to the people of israel it was a statement to them the fact that the the ordering up of the aircraft carriers is a very important statement to them, especially the people in the north, uh, given the increased number of rockets being fired by uh, Hezbollah, 30 last night in just an hour, hour and a half period, and uh, incidents even today. Uh, so th- the, the actions were considered very important, uh, and his statements of reassurance of, uh, and, and also regarding the hospital, uh, you know, not many world leaders were willing to stand up, even when the facts became known that uh, Israel clearly did not do this, and it was a result of an errant Pidge rocket, a Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket, the fact that the president did that. People here would have liked to hear more where he would pinpoint the blame on Iran and indicate that we're going to take more sanctions and more actions against Iran, uh, and that the, the fact that the Houthis from Yemen... Something I mentioned on the air as a possibility became a reality. They fired three missiles. It's a long distance, uh, an American naval presence uh, took it out. So, it there's no question
0: missiles. those missiles were aimed at Israel.
1: That is the belief. There's no other place it would be aimed. But, you know, they're fighting Saudi Arabia, and they aimed the missiles at Saudi Arabia. But this was clearly going up the Red Sea towards Israel. And um, so I've not heard anybody speculate that there was another target. I can't even imagine what it would be, but right. it, it was clearly, you know, and they are a wholly owned subsidiary of Iran, as as is Hezbollah, Hamas, Hamas Shahad, the militia groups in Syria and Iraq, etc. By the and, way, I, I got it. Yeah, I'm sorry. We talked many times about Iran's plan of encircling uh, Israel. So what we have to do is to make sure that, When you want to kill the snake, you have to get it cut off its head.
0: And we keep hearing about, you know, uh, what was the word? I wrote it down. High-ranking members that are constantly being taken out by Israelis. High-ranking members. I mean, I've seen that term in reference to at least 15 people since the war began. How large is this leadership of Hamas? Is it 15? Is it 100? Is it 1,000? How many people need to be taken out to actually uh, cut off the head of this snake?
1: Well, cutting off the head of the snake means you have to get Iran, uh, ultimately. But the leadership, as you know, is sitting in Qatar of of Hamas. They are luxuriating in fancy hotels and living a good life, uh, mostly in hiding now because they're afraid of it. But I think the messages that we heard this week would indicate that Israel was prepared to go after them wherever they are, and that none of them will ultimately escape the judgment. The uh, ones they're getting, including Ania's son, who, who's a high-ranking uh, officer, were killed. They are the ones in Gaza thinking that they could be impervious because they lived in apartment buildings that uh, where op- operations of Hamas were hidden among civilian population. As you know, they use them as human shields. Right. The uh, So there are many people who are high-ranking officers who have... Um, You know, are are in leadership positions that have to be eliminated uh, as they destroy the leadership and infrastructure of Hamas. You're not going to get all of the 10,000, 15,000 members, but you can destroy the whole entity, the organization, expel some, you know, hopefully eliminate many and especially, though, taking out the leadership.
0: Malcolm, uh, on the hospital episode, I didn't notice this, but someone pointed it out to me last night. I, I just don't know if it's true or not. When, when uh, the first uh, word came out from Gaza about what had happened with the hospital, and everybody was, of course, spreading word that Israel was responsible, so the death toll was being reported at about 500. Is it true that as word continued to seep out that, in fact, it was um, not Israel who's responsible for it but Palestinians responsible that that death toll dropped dramatically.
1: Dramatically, the estimate is between one and three hundred. Even U.S. intelligence estimates put it at that. The Israelis said right away that the number was false. They went up to four hundred eighteen, and some of the people were saying five hundred. Some of the press that jumped on this. Uh, I think BBC issued some sort of a clarification, but they meantime they they continued to broadcast <laughs> the most horrendous accounts, one-sided bias accounts, uh, and with the exception of Fox and a few other reporters uh, at CNN, a couple, and I mean, so many of them are giving, continuing to spread the lie, and even if they don't say it explicitly, they don't say that it was corrected and that the evidence that the United States officials put forward showed that it was uh, a Palestinian Islamic Jihad and that the 500 that they were saying and showing the pictures repeatedly of the same scene, It's much more reflective of a of a rocket than of an Israeli bombing. You would have a huge crater. You did not. You had a very narrow one. All of the signs, the 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 technical aspects of this, you know, reinforce that this was uh, a pitch rocket misfire. Right. But the the so the number is about half of what they were claiming then.
0: It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world of web and com and the Siegel Network and of course on the beloved NSN app. On Monday after JM and AM we fly to Israel. Our Jewish Unity Initiative takes us to Israel for obvious reasons. Our plan is to broadcast there Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Join us. Malcolm Homeline is in Israel, vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents and with us live via telephone. The... um one of the most disturbing things to watch, of course, is members of—and I know, Malcolm, we have to keep in mind, and I'm sure you agree with me, we have to always keep in mind that the overwhelming majority of the United States House of Representatives and the United States Senate are sympathetic, and and even more than sympathetic, are are supporters of Israel. We have to keep that in mind. But the squad, whether it's a hospital issue, the, the public demonstrations they're participating in, they are getting a tremendous amount of attention here and it doesn't seem like engaging in any type of discussion as we've seen uh you know on tv with them has any value whatsoever should they simply would you recommend just simply ignoring them at this point accepting the fact that they're a poison in the united states house of representatives what's your
1: approach so first of all you're absolutely right and this is a disgrace that people could support Hamas and other members of Congress have attacked them. The support in Congress is overwhelming. It's, uh, I think, uh, 93% supporting Israel. In the Senate, the vote was 99 to 1, with Rand Paul being the one exception. The support, we believe, for the economic aid package uh, and military aid package will be very strong. Uh, I don't know how the complications with Ukraine and other things will impacted but the but the members of congress who were here uh delegations that came in the last few weeks one led by schumer with uh, bipartisan uh and others uh, johnny ernst had a delegation here there were members coming people wanting to come israel obviously you know makes it a um a rule because they cannot meet every delegation you can't have the prime minister and the defense minister spending time in those meetings, as important as they are. But there's been a lot of expressions of interest in coming. So Congress and the statements that have been made are by and large good. You are absolutely right. This is the dilemma that we face. Right now I've advised people not to pay attention to them, not to reiterate, not to talk about the squid, because they, these people thrive on, on the controversy. Uh, I, it is much better when other members of uh, of congress especially from minority groups attack them and set the record straight with them i think it's very important that leaders of other communities uh, you know, t- t- talk about the appropriate action to take especially those who come from the districts they represent right. and and they they but on the other hand i think what welfare project is planning to take action against Tlaib for her comments Members of Congress are not allowed to lie. There are standards that are set. Now, we know politicians lie, but in the halls of Congress, and when you get up there and you say the blasphemous things that these have said, and the things that she has said at rallies supporting Hamas, talking about the death of of, uh, innocents, I think really deserves a much more concerted uh, response. And we have to be clever in how we do it, not to rally support to them, but to really isolate them You know, in the court of public opinion and the world press, Malcolm, not to put you on the spot, but we
0: were we were tossing this idea around the other day. Do you remember or have any idea when the first pro-Palestinian demonstration took place in Times Square? I mean, am I right that something like that was unheard of 30 years ago?
1: No, they had. Well, 30 years ago. I don't know. I'm much too young to remember that. (laughs) But um, uh, they had these demonstrations for a long time but they were small and they were a a ragtag group. Now they're organized and you see that uh, BLM and other movements, they they do the uh, joining together with other causes and and trying to augment a group. Also, you know, with the opening of our borders with the immigration, you have many more people coming from uh, Middle East countries that identify or want to identify and the radical movements on our campuses. The fact that Many American campuses have become hostile places for Jews, including NYU and Penn and Harvard and others where you've had these horrific manifestations and the inability of leaders, the presidents and others to find their voice, to condemn it appropriately, setting up quotas on Jewish students, doing, uh, taking other measures and not acting against professors who get it up in the classroom and humiliate Jewish students or speak about the destruction of Israel. And yet, there's no price. But if those who defend Israel are often isolated and and uh, punished in, on the campuses, so we have to do. And I, I want to salute Mark Rowan, and Bill Ackman, and some of the really important leaders who have taken real steps. When he, Mark Rowan, who is. Um, it contributed tens of millions of dollars to University of Pennsylvania. Wrote to the president and said, right. "I'm sending you one dollar this year." Right. Seven thousand people wrote such letters to universities. Wow. Bill Ackman identifying the students at Harvard who signed that horrific letter. Now all of a sudden, when they find out that their jobs might be in jeopardy, now they're saying, "Well, we didn't read it. We didn't know what was in it." Right. They have to be held to account too. They're not, you know, three year olds. And and if we allow this, the fact that they can support a group that engaged in Nazi... And you know I never use these analog, right, analogies. Right. But this is a time to use it. Right. These were Nazi activities. And and that they could stand with them is no different than standing with, with, with a swastika in, in, in a demonstration, which does arouse people's emotions and some criticism. But we have to take action against them. There has to be a ban on it. There has to be uh, universities that finally stand up and, and uh, act. And donors and, and uh, parents, alumni... Have to act on it. Have to let universities know you have options to send them to other schools. We can't send our kids to the schools where where, where they could be endangered because of this. And any of these rallies could easily explode. There have been physical assaults on Jewish yeah. students.
0: Well said and a good warning, Malcolm. and And last night made us think about this even more. Meaning the president's address to the nation. Are, are you annoyed or indifferent that that there seems to be a perceived or real? linkage between israeli aid and ukrainian aid
1: so as i as i mentioned i think it complicates it uh i think um that part of the goal is to get the package as a whole because for instance republican senators there are quite a few who do not support the unlimited aid to ukraine right but if it's, and a-, it's a big israel, number this time by the support- way it's a very big number this time very big number uh but because of the aid to israel they would uh, they w- w- would be more likely to support it. Right. The uh, I think the issue that that has come up is the is the failure on in, in on all occasions to be able to say, look, Iran. You don't have to have a clear smoking gun to say that Iran is behind it. They are the ones who provide the weapons. They provide money. They provide ninety percent of the budget. They they provide the training. So to say that Iran. Is directly involved, and they keep saying, "Well, we have no direct proof." Yes, we have direct proof. The very existence of Hezbollah Hamas is direct proof, and we have to see to it that that their oil income is stopped. You want to? One of the things that was suggested by a, a leading American official to me is we have to bomb the oil fields, stop the refineries. They don't have that income; they shrivel up. Iran, and and we have to see to it that all the steps that are taken, that the sanctions are imposed, and, and the administration has put on more sanctions, but it's not enough. And now they're thinking, I think they are trying to freeze the $6 billion given to, to um, uh, that are in Qatar, that were given to, the, uh, to Iran. And now, uh, saying and they say that none of the money was withdrawn. But I hope that it will be frozen and not allocated, that no more money, and that we start holding them to account. If we don't stop them, so they can they also operate through all of the other entities that I mentioned and many more.
0: Um, who uh, who who has been more supportive of Hamas, the squad or Arab parties in the Knesset? And I, I'm trying to make a point because here we have not heard a word about any reaction from him. Have the Arab parties in Knesset been relatively quiet since this massacre?
1: Uh, yes, as far as I can tell, they've been, well, first of all, because of the horrific nature of the uh, of the attack, there's no way they could, they could uh, validate it, but uh, I don't know that we've heard much criticism right. uh, or attacks against them, and there have been disappointing reactions in a number of the Arab countries, the UAE has actually been the best uh, in terms of its responses, Bahrain was good, uh, some of the others were not so good, and uh, you know, the blame uh, that we heard from leaders of some of the countries on the hospital issue and other things, even after the revelations, uh, this is, uh, is disappointing to many people. It's understandable that uh, they, have to, they hedge their words, but uh, one could have expected more from some of them. And the question is what their actions will be now in the coming uh, days and weeks. Uh, that speaks louder than their words. Uh, All the words are important because the people take a message. And you saw the immense manifestations, demonstrations against Israel in Jordan, where they set fire to the Israeli uh, embassy. The Israeli consulate in in, uh, Istanbul has been evacuated. Uh, In some of the other countries, there's special protections and stuff that had to be put up uh, that the um, uh, mood in, in the region the, the reaction of the leadership in the region has not been what it should be. It is an important message to them that the United States stood by an ally. For that, day I think they draw a lot of reassurance that the United States is willing to stand up. The two aircraft carriers is a big deal, uh, and I hope people appreciate what and it means the delivery, and the
0: delivery of the uh, the jeeps, the delivery of the uh, uh, of the armored uh, right? Uh,
1: armored vehicles. Right, armored armored vehicles, vehicles. Right. Yeah, a cargo plane came with armored vehicles. They are hopefully the beginning of um, a number of shipments and there are also more advanced equipment that hopefully uh, a lot of this is equipment that Israel paid for and they're expediting it. And some hopefully will be additional equipment that will be paid for out of the money that will be allocated. Israel will need a huge amount of munitions to be stored in in case of the north erupting and maybe Syria uh, and, uh, of course, Against the Hamas this long term engagement that will be essential will require uh, a lot of very expensive munitions uh, we need protective equipment for the soldiers they're going to need uh, other equipment as well and I don't see that the soldiers and sailors on the aircraft carriers directly engage in the war they could be activated. Uh, to do logistical things on the ground in Israel, or if uh, Lebanon if, if Lebanon and Hezbollah in Lebanon start to get active, that potentially could be a place where the United States would act.
0: These rumors that Hezbollah is so much better equipped and well-armed than Hamas is, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that's accurate, right?
1: It is accurate. Because those, num-
0: those numbers are
1: missiles. staggering.
0: I'm sorry. I'm just saying those numbers were staggering.
1: 000, right. I was going to say that they have 150,000 missiles, but they've, many of those have really sophisticated guidance systems, oh which, is, which was not true of a lot of the Gaza ones until now. And, you know, they never would have dared fire toward Jerusalem because they, they couldn't, you know, direct it, and it could hit a holy place or something. Now they at least have that degree of control that they are willing to take the chance.
0: And not to, God forbid, you know say something that that might lead to something but you know you you know how we are Uh, but but they have stayed out I mean even, even I know I saw the report this morning and I know there's some activity up north but relatively speaking they've stayed out last week you explained to us that politically it's to their benefit to stay out and Internationally it's to their benefit to stay out. Do you still see that they're going to adhere to that?
1: Well, I, I, as I said, I think their presence in the aircraft carrier is a big deterrent. They have not stayed out completely. There have been Israelis killed in the north individually from some of the uh, anti-tank mortars that they fire. They fire other kinds of uh, weapons. Um, there are some reports that were not true, like the hang gliders coming across the border, etc. But there have been numerous attempts at, at uh, individual attempts to penetrate the border. Some of that is to test it. And we learned now, like we learned in this situation in Gaza, when they were exploding bombs along the border and everybody, you know, was dismissive of it. And I asked on the show, I mentioned, you know, it doesn't make any sense that they would just do it if they're not for, for the sake of blowing up things. They were trying to undermine it and they were testing it. And the same thing when you see in the north, when they had individuals cross the border or they tested the uh, fence and they cut the fence, they were testing it. And and that's in preparation as well. So we, we we have to know that we the potential there for something serious to happen exists and, and Israel I think has a hundred thousand troops in the north ready to act.
0: Yeah we we've uh, we've heard David from we've heard from some of them. Um Israel wiped out one or more Syrian airports last week?
1: They they bombed the runways. The problem is that they're so expert at it. After all the Israeli attacks, that within a couple of days they're back functioning. Uh, they bombed the runways, they, uh, and that was because Iran uses them to supply weapons. And it may be that the, Israel got word, maybe that their weapons were coming, and you know to to uh, arm further arm both Hezbollah, but more importantly in this case the Syrian militias that are controlled by Iran, if they wanted to open up another front. So I think it was meant to be a message, and the Iranian uh, foreign minister was due to visit and had to postpone his visit because both airports were bombed, uh, the runways. And, uh, you know, this, you know, we we don't know what Syria's intent is and the degree to which they have independent judgment uh, because of the influence of Iran there. But it's very important for Israel to prevent another front from being opened.
0: And I saw this uh, news item brought up by somebody on, on TV, which uh, if you could address it, the United Nations has lifted the cap on Iranian missile sales. What's that all about?
1: No, so the sanctions, you remember, have, have um, sunshine clauses, which means that there are, when they enacted the, um, the sanctions against Iran, they expire. And the ones on Iran, missile program, expired October 15th or 19th. Oh. And so now they are freer, even though they were doing it illegally anyway, they are freer to move ahead with the missile program uh, because it's no longer sanctioned. But although that some of the Europeans and the United States keep the sanctions on it individually, but it's different.
0: Malcolm, how key is it, especially in light of last Friday, how key is it to remind people in the diaspora to get to their public officials, their public safety personnel, their law enforcement officers, thank them for the protection. You know when they, when they are prepared, you know that they are uh, willing, able, and ready. Uh, to, uh, to help at a moment's notice. It's when they're unprepared, unfortunately, when sometimes they're caught off guard. But even in that situation, they do their best to protect us. And especially in light of the day of rage and all that, we have to remember that we should not take our public safety and law enforcement officials for granted.
1: So there are several th- measures here that we're talking about. One is not to believe we're immune because we're far away. We're not far away. There are uh, people in the United States who want to do harm as well. So our institutions, uh, our schools, everything should be alert to it. Sometimes it's just the simple fact of making sure the doors are locked during the day and that you have people, the uh, police, when you dismiss the classes or uh, at, when you have the davening, the times of the, uh, people coming to the shul, not to close the shuls, not to close the schools, but just to take whatever necessary steps. I know many, many schools have done it. But that—that's one. Two. We are deeply grateful to the all, all levels of law enforcement. Uh, NYPD, I think, is always at the forefront. But uh, all levels having taking this seriously and taking action on it. Yeah. But the, the fact is, we don't know the enemy. A lot of it is hidden. So the uh, there's a limit to what the police can do proactively. And I hope that the FBI and others are monitoring the people crossing our borders, the, the activities that are going on, and take it seriously. You know, we saw that Israel had warnings. They didn't necessarily take everything as seriously as they should. That is something that will be dealt with later. But uh, uh, every school and every community has to make sure that we take the maximum sort of thing. That are going to, we should support uh, Senator Schumer's efforts to increase the amount of money for, uh, for protection of institutions, uh, it was up to 360 I think they want to make it 500 million nationwide, that's really vital funding uh, and to, to support other measures that relate to the security at home and to demand that public officials and others speak out when they cross the line from what is a legitimate political difference to calling and and, and uh, talking about annihilation and talking about death and threatening Jews and let alone carrying out some of those threats and physical actions
0: Have a peaceful Shabbos in Jerusalem. Let's all keep in mind uh, those who've been abducted and have uh, uh, found themselves in this um, incredibly dangerous and horrible situation. And uh, we pray for them. We pray for their families. I hope every synagogue will certainly keep them in mind during public presentations this coming Shabbos. Everybody should remember that around the world. We continue to pray for our soldiers. And uh, Malcolm, if you are still in Jerusalem on uh, Tuesday afternoon, please join us at our Jerusalem studio. And uh, we look forward to getting there and expressing uh, our feelings of comfort and love for our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land.
1: It's very important, but I don't think we can leave New York unprotected with both of us being out of it at the same time. So I think I'd think I better get back in time to make sure. But, but I, I hope that every shul will at least say, the tfilos for the soldiers and the and the missing, missing. Yeah. that every shul no excuse. The Belzer Rebbe ordered in his main shul that they say it on Shabbos this past Shabbos. It's imperative that that we all understand that this is us. This Tfila is for all of us, and that if they don't feel it now and understand and and at least give expression to it in that regard tonight in the Great Synagogue, uh, we have a couple hundred guests coming from from uh, the south, oh, especially wow. Stay Road. Wow. There are 500 are in the Plaza Hotel, which I think you should go and see. But And I hope that you'll get to visit and meet with some of the people from the communities. There are a lot of them in Jerusalem. There are a lot of people everywhere. I understand there are 21,000 of them uh, in, in the Jerusalem area right now. Wow. Uh, because a lot of communities are, are, are vacated. And State Road was, is, a, is a dead city. And you will see a lot of the stores are closed. People are called up. Services and hotels sometimes are, are more limited. Because the staff is is away. They're still they're still fine and everything's functioning, but um, but you'll see it immediately.
0: Have a peaceful Shabbos. I I would normally say to you have a um, wonderful May. Shabbos, but uh, you're in an area where our brothers and sisters are still traumatized and in fear by what has occurred. Have a peaceful Shabbos and we'll speak Bezrat Hashem next week. <laughs>
1: God
0: willing, be well. Malcolm Holmline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM.